Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining us today are our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce. Hello, James. Hello. Our LFC editor, Andrew Kelly. Hello. You all right, Ian? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. Thanks for asking. James didn't ask. And uh, also, with us is e- also with us is Echo journalist and becoming a veteran of the Echo, Neil Jones. Hello. Hello there. Uh, James, we'll start with you. Um, it was one of those days, or it seems there was going to be one of those days for Liverpool against Burnley on Sunday, but they, they got there in the end, and I know that us on the Echo Sports desk certainly know ugly when we see it, uh, and that was pretty ugly there from Liverpool, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, it was probably about as poor as Liverpool have played all season, to be honest. Um, the big difference was that rather than capitulate um, and, and cave in, as we've seen in, in some of those previous games that were similar to that, they, they stood up to the, the test and, and dug in. Um, first half was just completely lifeless and looked so vulnerable defensively and and just it was just slow and ponderous, the build-up playing created next to nothing. But, you know, the huge moment was that equaliser on the stroke of half-time. And then Liverpool were better second half, not much better, but they did enough. And I think, yeah, I think that was the most satisfying thing, the fact that, the resolve and the and the resilience that enabled them to grind out in the end was something that kind of when things have gone wrong this season we've persistently kind of accused them of lacking. And did you feel as though perhaps Burnley caught Liverpool out with their approach because I know everybody was talking about them going to part the bus but they didn't do that at all did they? Well, even, even though the goal was scored after seven minutes it was on the cards already by that point wasn't it? Yeah, even two or three chances they'd had Andre Gray had um, had got behind down Clavan's side and were. We're basically using the Jamie Vardy approach of exploiting the space in behind Liverpool. Um, yet Klopp, after the game, was still sort of claiming what what Burnley are going to do. They're the most consistent team in the, in the league about what they're going to do. Well, if the if they are, uh, and I'm, I'm, I don't know if, if they are or not, but certainly it still seemed to take Liverpool by surprise. There seemed to be an indication that they'll let us have the ball and we're going to have to break down two lines of four. Well, that became a little bit more of an issue when they went ahead, as you'd expect. But, you know, they they had the two front men in, in Gray and uh, Barnes and that the, they were ruffling um, both centre-halves up uh, qu- quite well. And uh, and then Gray's pace was on unsettling uh, down their right and the, and the Liverpool left. And they had a couple of good chances before the goal. Lovely goal, by the way. You've got to say that um, the pass from the right-back, Loughton, uh, was superb and uh, you know a bit of a telescopic leg from Barnes and, and Mignolet's got no chance and there are a couple of occasions where they could perhaps have gone two up uh, and that, that might have put a different complexion on things. Neil are we really bothered about the performance it's you know it's mid-March is it all about results now or should we be a little bit concerned with the way Liverpool played? Bit of both it, it, it is all about results in, in, in the general sense and if you keep winning then no one will care um, I find it a little bit Amusing that all season Liverpool have been asked to, to, to play ugly and win ugly games, and then when they do, there's question marks over Coutinho's form and Jan's form and the, the centre halves and this and that. Really, I think Liverpool got a little bit of luck yesterday, which maybe sometimes they haven't always had. You know, you think the first goal can go anywhere, can't it? Drops to Wijnald, and he does actually, I think he reacts really well to, to, to finish it because I think a lot of people just slash straight away. He sort of waits and takes the time. Second goal, I think they get a bit of luck because. I don't think, I don't think that beats David De Gea or or Thibaut Courtois or Hugo Lloris. I think one of them gets a tip onto it. Maybe it's the inside of the post and comes out. 
or something like that. So you take the look. Liverpool have had how many games have they won like that? Swansea was a bit ugly, wasn't it? First half, especially, but they were quite good second half against Swansea. Uh, Sunderland at home wasn't brilliant, James. Yeah. saying yesterday. Yeah, they were, yeah. Uh, although they were, they were still better. They weren't going to concede really in that game where they. Yeah. Uh, no. But, but not, you know, we're struggling to think of the games, aren't we? Where Liverpool have won three points when they've played poorly. Manchester City maybe has won, where they didn't play particularly well. They, they sort of dogged that one out. But that was a massively intensive yeah. game. And that was against it? good opposition as well, yeah. or top opposition. Um, so, I think you just you have to take it. You, you can you can look at the the problems and say, yeah, they won't get away with it maybe against a better side. But for now, they have and take the three points and, and enjoy it. I mean, James, it was only last week that we were talking about. There's no other team in the top, you know, the top six or seven that that have to be playing well as a team to get results. I mean, I did the I did the player ratings and maybe looking back at it, one or two were a bit low, but. Overall, most of them are getting five and sixes. Normally, when you have players rating like that for Liverpool, that suggests that they've lost. Yeah, but, yeah. but this was different, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I mean, you're right. I was scratching my head afterwards trying to think of who to give man of the match to, and I gave it to Sadio Mane, mainly because I thought in the first half, when Liverpool were absolutely atrocious, that he was he was the one that looked likely to make something happen. Uh, and and you know, any any little bright sparks they were came down his side, but. Yeah, I think you gave top marks to Mignolet, didn't yeah. you? And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, you know, you could make a strong case for that because I thought, you know, even though even Mignolet, you know, it wasn't as if he had a a load of saves to make, but what he did have to do, which he did really well, was, was dealing with that aerial bombardment, and especially because that's been an area of his game where previously he's taken a lot of stick for. Um, you know, he commanded his penalty box really well. Um, you know, released pressure by punching intelligently. You know, really positive and bold the way he was coming for things. You know, got clattered a couple of times as well. Um, so yeah, I th- you know, it, it it wasn't great, was it? You know, you could you could spend all week picking holes in that performance because there was that much wrong. But you know, the the only thing that really mattered was the fact that that Liverpool got the job done, got the win, and it's a it's a huge result in in terms of the the context of what they're trying to achieve this season with the top four. Now it's uh, time to give Andy his Emre Chan moment. I mean, we did the uh, the podcast <laughs> last week, and you made a point about Emre Chan and shooting from outside the box, didn't you? In fact, it wasn't just about Chan, was it? Well, it, it, we were talking about Chan at the time and the fact that he needed to add that to his to his to his game and improve that element of his game, especially against sides that are, are sitting that that bit deeper when when Liverpool are on the attack, and um, we suggested. That he had, you know, he had that in his game, and he could deliver it. Um, Jonesy pointed out that Liverpool's last goal from outside the area was Emery Chan at, at Bournemouth, and sure enough, um, as, just after we we mentioned the fact he needs to bring it more to his game, he's obviously a blood red fan because pops up with one <laughs> from twenty five yards. So um, good old Emery, and you know, but on a serious matter, that is a big part of his game that he needs to to keep developing, and he needs to be able to pop up with. You know, he should be getting five to ten goals a season. Where is he now? Four he's on. Four he's on. Yeah. You know, you'd like to see him be closer to to ten than five. And he has that ability. We've seen him shoot uh, well before. And um, um, you know, Jonesy thinks a top class keeper might have saved. I think it's surprised. <coughs> Heaton and might have surprised some other. Yeah, I think it was surprised it's surprised because it kind of curled. It, it, it curled, curled a little bit, didn't it? Didn't it? Yeah. 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 it and it also well. seemed to pick up. Yeah. It was faster than he thought coming at him because. Because um, it'd been raining on the zippy turf. Yeah, a little bit of uh, greasy of the drizzle. Yeah. But um, difficult for goalkeepers. 
But I mean, take nothing away from Chan. He's, he's oh, he strike. came from yeah. nothing. Um, you know, it was a short pass from Origi. I don't know if the stats guys make that an Origi assist, but if, yeah, it, if, do, yeah. if, it, if it is, it was, it was a very space. cheap yeah. one. Who's the, who's the guy? Who's um, the, who's the, who's the, who's the guy who got the, the assist to Maradona? Hector Enrique. He's, oh. he's always the great, the great quiz question. You know, what's he famous for? The most famous assist ever was the pass for Maradona when he yeah. scored that goal <laughs> against England. But he gets the winner, Chan, but then. You listen to Klopp afterwards. He was keen to say well, he put him at fault for the foot for the Burnley goal. Said mm-hmm. he should have been more active in closing down the player. I, I was watching the replay last night, and I mean, he had Chan, a lot of ground. To he had a up, lot of ground to get. Yeah. No, I think I think Klopp's point is that he shouldn't have been that where he was away. Yeah, that far away in the first yeah. place. He was. His point was that that Chan was challenging for too many balls himself, and when he went in, that was leaving him without protection on the second balls. I think his his view was that Chan should have sort of taken a more circumspect approach and let other people go into challenge for those it balls. It was very easy, wasn't it? Well, cause I watched it last night as well. And I think Origi got the centre-half, he was on the ball, keen is it, and then Coutinho just goes and double doubles up and Loughton just sort of moves five yards, doesn't he, and takes yeah. a pass in with 10, 15 yards of space. And it's, It just seems a little bit sort of schoolboyish. It was a bit like uh, it's rare for Liverpool to not have any pressure on the ball yeah. like that. He was able to look up Curl a lovely pass, take yeah, nothing away from pass. that, and mm. it's a good it's a good finish as well. You question Klein's position at the back post. You could probably question Clavan's um, yeah. angle on it yeah. a little bit at the front uh, on the front side. He also hit it, it a bit early though. The cross wasn't it? The cross was quite early. You could yeah, have gone, probably gone a curl ball in low. And it came after you know it was a good minute of nice football from Burnley in the lead up to it actually, and you know fair play to them. It was the you know, it was it was it was a very good goal. Now, Neil, me and you spend nearly every day talking about Emre Chan. Uh, <laughs> what yeah. a life! Sometimes he rings me It just it does feel like it's it to be fair. Um, but you know, as as Andy said, you know, he comes up with the goal. Jurgen Klopp mentioned afterwards that he'd been. I think we, James, you may have written this already in the past or mentioned it that he'd been struggling with a calf injury for a few months. I mean, is, is, could that contribute to his you know his iffy form? Since yeah. the term of the year, I know he's been a lot better over the last couple of weeks. Well, if, it's, if it's true, it certainly it certainly was, and you might you can maybe wonder whether Philip Coutinho might be carrying something not dissimilar, given the way his his form has uh, not taken off, shall we say, since he returned from from that that foot injury or ankle injury. Um, Chan, Andy and Andy myself spoke to the German um, reporter today for for another podcast, which we won't uh, we won't discuss. Yeah, but he was talking about Chan's role and, and sort of saying that he he does two or three things in a game that leave an impression in terms of I like a shot from twenty five yards or a pass with the outside of his foot or a, a bit where he holds off four four players and spins on the ball, but then he also leaves four or five impressions of a game where you think what was he what was he doing you know sometimes in the same move he can do it. I, I remember one at Old Trafford he did in the, in the Europa League where he he just shrugged off someone. I think it might have been Valencia. He shrugged them off and just like turned and he thought, oh, what a player every challenge. And he just hammered a 60 yard pass straight into the, into the, <laughs> into the Alex Ferguson stand. <laughs> he thought, oh, Emre, you know, why, why have you done that? And I think the point um, Jörg was making earlier was that he's 23 and I think people sometimes do forget that he is 23 and 23 year old players aren't necessarily. The most um, the most polished and consistent, especially in midfield. I was going to say Everton have got two twenty-three-year-olds, haven't they? Ross Barkley and yeah. Romelu Lukaku. And if you look at those two, 
Yeah. Ross Barkley's still somebody who the... Yeah, he's got the sim- similar exactly, complaints. Sim- similar build, exactly yeah. right. And what uh, your Jakob from, from Kick, who's in, in the podcast, which you can hear on Anfield Extra. To there get he is. Plug. Yes, well done. Um, and really, it's fascinating it stuff on loads of aspects of, of Liverpool and Germany. And we spoke to him about Chan and, uh, and Matip and, and Karius and, and Klopp uh, and some of the, the young players, perhaps, that's uh, in Germany coming through. But... Um, his his line on Chan was particularly interesting in terms of he used the same phrase that Klopp sometimes uses in terms of um, it, it's too much to carry in his rucksack yeah. and um, it loses a bit in translation. But essentially, he's saying that being labelled the next Gerard was was uh, has been too much for uh, for Emery Chan's rucksack, and that that, that he said that yeah, it was, it was too... you know who the first person was to call him the new Stephen Gerrard, don't you? Was it, it was, you? It was her man. Oh, Dima Haman. I think that's it. Was that? No, he's pointing at me. Dima because when he signed, everyone went, "Oh, look, he's a German midfielder. He's going to be, he's going to be like Haman." And, and, and Haman did an interview and said, "Well, actually, no, he's not like me. He's more like, more like Gerard, and he could be the long-term replacement for him." Yeah. Well, I mean, York was saying that this is this is something that is a comparison that would never have been made in Germany in yeah. terms of how they would rate a player like Steven Gerrard. You would never um, put that onto a, a younger player and. Uh, and he felt that that had been a bit too much for Chan. But he did suggest that there would be, if Chan's contract uh, difficulties can't be sorted out at Liverpool, there would be uh, some significant interest in Germany uh, in him. Um, so, uh, yeah, have a listen to that. Going away from, sorry, Neil, going away from Emery Chan, you, Neil, you mentioned uh, Philip Coutinho. I mean, are you kind of worried by his form? No. Um, no? No, 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 because... I suppose what I'm worried about is that it's not that unbelievable that he because he, he he has these dips in form, so it's not. I'm not surprised that that Coutinho's had a, a, a quiet month or, or six weeks. But the I th- I do think that the aim for Philip Coutinho it has to be, and if he wants to be what he's paid to be and what his reputation suggests he is, um, in some quarters, he has to get rid of these these peaks and troughs uh, in his. His form, and you can't have one of them a season. Um, he was he was terrible yesterday, wasn't he? And you know, could have been removed before the hour mark, which you know is, is probably the it's the insult for the professional, isn't it, to be taken off at half time or before before an hour's been played. And I think you saw Ben Woodburn come on and do more in in the half hour than, than the the main man had managed in the first hour. When you think about it, it appears he a seventeen year old because we were when when Woodburn came to get off the bench, you and I were saying, who's he going to take here? And, and uh, we both suggested that he's going to have to take Coutinho, probably. Uh, we, and it was almost astonishing to say it, because it's a 17-year-old kid um, and a, replacing a Brazilian international yeah. who'd, who, pretty much, I mean, he and I, I always think, is a, a generous soul on the ratings and brought out, trotted out the three uh, on a on a... On a Liverpool winner, I think Ian he was absolutely. Has no soul. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he was, he was right too. But it was, it is, you know, in the cold light of day, it's a, it was a pretty astonishing move from Klopp, but yeah. the right one. Yeah, definitely. Especially when you think, that, especially in a game like that, when the team is playing badly, and, and Coutinho, even on, you know, even when he's having bad days, he's still, you would still, you think, look at him and think, he only just needs to click for, you know, ten seconds of the quality that you know he's got. And he could still win this game for Liverpool, but I think he was that off the pace throughout yesterday that Klopp 
you know, fair play to him, thought, I've got no choice here, but, you know, I need to make a change because he's giving us absolutely nothing. And I think it has to be a concern that it's taken him so long. I don't, I don't think he hasn't been, he hasn't been awful since he's come back from injury. I think, I thought he did all right in spells against Arsenal. Well, it was basically when Liverpool have played well, he's, he's looked all right in, in pockets without, without looking anything like the player he was in the first three months of the season. But, yeah, it is alarming that, that he's still, you know, delivering performances like yesterday. I mean, when you know, he, when, he, when was he back fit? It's over two months January, now, isn't it? For, for his subst- substitution, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, for, for substitution, he ran faster to get off. Well, the even pitch it was than he interesting. I was watching his actual... when we were discussing who was coming off, and I said it was either going to be Coutinho, you think, or possibly Origi, because Origi hadn't really contributed much either. And cause I think Coutinho was taking a corner at the time, and you could see obviously Woodburn was getting ready, and he. He was kind of looking, looking along, and you almost thought, does he want to be taken off here? Because it, is he having one of them days where you just think, put me out of my misery because everything I'm, yeah. I'm touching is, is going badly wrong. Especially his corners. Yeah. Oof. I mean, my big problem with Coutinho, he obviously had a very good first bit of the season, but, but my view, I think, probably expressed it on, on this pod at some stage, is that he still needed to take another step forward to get into that bracket of absolute don't like to use the phrase, but top, top players. Yeah. You know, For me, he doesn't influence as many games as an Alexis Sanchez does. He doesn't have the goals impact that uh, that a player like, um, you know... De Bruyne or Dele Alli is one Or Hazard has. And I think he, he did in the first few months of the season, though. He looked like he was threatening to, to get into that but, bracket. Yeah, exactly. He's threatening to, Percy. In my view, he still yeah. needed to be more consistent. Well... I think I've said it before, where you knew that if it flashed up on, on football focus or sport on, on um, you know Gillette Soccer Saturday that there's been a goal for Arsenal, we generally think, oh, that'll come up. It'll be Sanchez who's got that. Yeah, but to be fair, he's or, a striker though. He's. Not, I'm not convinced. Sanchez still he's playing, he's often plays top, wide. Yeah, but he is playing up top though, whereas Coutinho yeah, never yeah, does. Yeah. There is there is a difference, but I still think Coutinho as a player you would say is just as skillful as, as Sanchez, but doesn't quite produce uh, the same level of, of goals and assists as those those type of players we're talking about. And I felt he was in a position where he could take that step forward into that league. But actually, because of his injury and since he's come back, he's actually gone the other way. And right now, we take him, get him back to where he was. And, and where he... Because people were talking to him, not, not that long ago people were talking about him, how we'd be lucky to hold on to him if, if Barcelona came in for him. I mean... One thing he's guaranteed is that he's stopping here for the summer. <laughs> it, could be a, it could be a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Neil, Neil, maybe that's the point. So, yeah. Neil, do you feel as though we're being a little bit harsh here, though? Because, say, he doesn't get the injury against Sunderland yeah. and he carries on playing exactly the same way that he was doing for the first three months of the year. We'd now be talking about somebody who, player of the year contender, wouldn't we? Yeah, well, funny enough, I um, sad. That me and you spend a lot of time talking about Emre Chan, but yeah. the rest of my life um, involves. There's, there is well, no rest of your life. There was a little bit yesterday, <laughs> yeah. and it involved me actually reading the World Soccer magazine, which has it, it has the team of the year, which is voted for by the the various media outlets it's in the top like, five yeah, like one leagues. magazine, isn't it? Yeah, and, so, yeah, and they have the number of um, number of times he's been voted into the eleven this year. That's just quite interesting. Usual names: Messi, you know, people like that, Lewandowski. Coutinho was is in the top four midfielders for this season. He's had nine, I think, nine votes, and which, which when you bear in mind that they're not in Europe, yeah, they're not in the champ. Most of the other players yeah, are like Champions League players. Bear in mind that they've all come before November. Yeah. So that suggests that he's 
he did have a maybe we forgot how good he was at the start of the season, or maybe maybe just you have to accept that with with non elite players, and I don't think Coutinho is elite. I don't think he ever will be elite personally. I don't think he'll ever be the best in his position. I don't think he'll ever be a Barcelona star. If he if he went there, even if he went there, I think he'd be a more a, a functioning player rather than a, a leader of a, of a Barcelona team. Maybe you just have to accept that attacking midfield players aren't always on the top of the game, and sometimes when they're not, they look worse than than other players do. Now, Andy Ben Woodburn, as you mentioned, came on for Coutinho, and you've done a piece to, today looking at at the bench and saying that perhaps Mike Gordon, who was there, should look at that and that should act as a warning for him to you know basically get busy in the summer. I mean, an absolutely startling message from the from the team sheet yesterday and. When we looked at it, when it came out an hour before for the game, I mean, you probably could have worked out uh, potentially who might be on there, but there's an extraordinary lack of options for a, a team that's chasing Champions League football. Um, in terms of the outfield players, he had four teenagers, Joe Gomez, who's a defender, coming, as everyone knows, coming 19, coming back from injury. Harry Wilson, who's 19, uh, has precisely... 25 minutes of first team football uh, Ben Woodburn who had a, I think 25 minutes of Premier League football before yesterday Trent Alexander-Arnold everyone knows I love Trent see him as being you know, a massive part of Liverpool's first team going forward but ultimately he's had nine uh, first team appearances for Liverpool um, and is a right back at, at this stage in his career potentially could go to midfield um, so you've you've got in terms of options he had the one he took, Ben Woodburn, uh, you know, 17-year-old, full of potential. Liverpool's youngest ever scorer, we know that. Um, Putting a cracking cross when he came on. I'd still like to see him do a little bit more and have more confidence in himself when he comes on. I feel like he's always... And it's natural why he would do this. He's keen to um, take a, um, a... You know, take the, the an easy pass when it's available. But um, um, And then you had Lucas... Well, that's a defensive option, as we know, which he took late on to show it up. Yeah. Yeah. He led the charge, didn't he, at one point? Yes, he did. I can tell you, he had Christian Walsh out of his seat. And obviously Alberto Moreno, who generally in his time at Liverpool has done nothing to suggest he's quite good enough for the club. But um, loves an animal tattoo. He does, yeah. Exactly, so, um, yeah, that's the message to Mike Gordon. This squad isn't deep enough and needs strengthening and okay there were injuries yesterday Firmino, Sturridge, Henderson uh, Ings out Lover and uh, out but um, that's what a squad's for and what Liverpool had to bring in was uh, a bench of massive potential but it's, it's, it's unfair to expect them to be able to influence games the way that Liverpool would have potentially been asking them to. Now talking of strengthening there was a player in the Burnley team uh, Michael Keane at centre back, who, you know, I thought he did quite well. Certainly did well against yeah. Origi. Uh, somebody who I know went to the game said he's probably got a sore head in the morning because he headed the ball that many times just to get it away. Um, is he somebody who perhaps Liverpool should be looking at? Because that probably been the first time that an awful lot of Liverpool fans would have seen the name mentioned. They might have seen him on television. That's the first time that I've actually seen him seen him play and first chance to, to to gauge their impression of him. Yeah, I thought he was he was very good, um, very dominant in the air. Um, but you know, I know I know Origi was involved in both goals, but you know he, he didn't he didn't really influence 
the game outside of those two moments. I know that sounds stupid when you've been involved in two goals, <laughs> but it, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't hold the ball up. He didn't. He didn't take the pressure off. There was one big moment uh, late on when he, I think it, I think it was with Keane actually when he he, he was out muscled on halfway when with Liverpool under under the cosh a little bit and they just needed him to just hold the ball up and well, Klopp was on the touchline telling him to jump. Yeah, he was just standing was, still, wasn't he? Yeah, he just he just he just didn't provide that focal point but in was, attack but, that but Liverpool was needed. But I think part yeah. of that, yeah, because Keane played very well. And he's a big, big, strong lad, isn't he? When, when you think you've kind of accused Liverpool's backline a bit, a bit too soft and lacking physicality at times this season, he'd certainly tick those boxes. The only issue would be, I still think it would be a bit of a a leap into the unknown because making that leap from Burnley to Liverpool, you know. He, Again, you're buying. I think you're buying potential rather than proven quality. And we kind of said, do we want Liverpool to go down down that route again? Um, or you know, especially if Liverpool are in the Champions League, you know, would you would he be able to handle that kind of stuff up in clubs? We say that, but he did start out with Manchester United, didn't he? And yeah. and you would have presumably none of the centre backs would leave. Um, so you'd have the experience of Matip, Lovren, and Clavan, and so he'd become the fourth. And you've still got Joe Gomez as well on top of that. Yeah, but you look. I mean. James is right. You, you're looking. You're looking at twenty-five million pounds. How much? Yeah, I think Leicester bid about twenty, didn't he, last summer to, to try and get him, and I couldn't. And he's only. I think he's only at very least held his value in the in the season that's followed. I think he um, he is a good player, but then I had to two worries. One is the price tag, and can you get someone better than him or more proven than than him? And the other one is what's what's the difference between defending. Centre half for Burnley and defending centre half for Liverpool. You know, you you maybe it's great to have someone who can who can head the ball away twenty times a game. But if you only need him to do it twice and you need him to stay focused while he's like eighty eight minutes where he's doing nothing, or you need him to bring the ball out into midfield when the game's a bit tight, is he is he capable of doing that? I think he's good good player. A couple of them, Maguire, another one, a, a whole a whole yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's amazing. Looks the same. But he's I'd have, the same, I'd have yeah. the same doubts about him. Yeah. Same doubts about someone like Shawcross uh, at um, at Palace or uh, sorry, Palace at Stoke or Dan at Palace, who who are the same type of good worker day centre halves low down the league. But I do think there's there's a level. I think even Dejan Lovren at times has shown that you know even an international player can maybe. Find it difficult to, to settle in at a, a club that it's, it's expected that you do more than head and kick. He, he is gonna, I was going to say, but he is going to definitely have to spend a decent amount of money on a centre back this mm. summer, because again, you know, at the weekend we're expecting Klopp to have a big decision to make. Does he bring back Lovren or Clavan? And then there is no decision to make because Lovren's got another knock <laughs> in in training, you know, a minor back problem. Um, so you know that's infuriating. When I think we touched on it last week, that you know Lover and Matip clearly is first choice combination, but I think they've played twelve games together yeah. all season. So you know you can't. A club was asked about it actually in the newspaper breakout on Friday at Melwood, and he basically admitted you know it is a source of immense frustration the fact that it's not Lovren's missed a lot of football without really having you know yeah. he's had a succession of small issues mm. rather than one big problem. Is it is that? Only once this season, am I right in saying it's only once in the league this season he's played what you would call his first his first eleven Klopp with with Matip Lovren, obviously Firmino, Henderson, right. all in the team. I think I'm pretty sure. Who's that? Is? You've got me there. I think 
think it was at one of the Anfield games. It might have been might have been Watford. Watford, I want to say or Watford, Leicester. Yeah. One of those. It wasn't Leicester because Lucas played against Leicester. There you go. So yeah, I think it might have been Watford. infamously. Yes, <laughs> good assist. As he said, it was his first first yeah. assist ever. Yeah, but that but that that sums it up, doesn't it? And I think we've discussed it in the past. I I go if you've got a goalkeeper or a centre half who's injury prone, you've got a big problem. And Liverpool have got two and one who's on loan at Crystal Palace, who, who was there last season, Sacco, who seem to get a lot of niggles and strains yeah. mm-hmm. and, and just miss the odd game here and there. And that must be frustrating for the manager. For me, the way Liverpool should look at the centre half position in, in the summer should be. Okay, what are we going to get back on Sacco? So, what would you say? 20? 15. 15 to 20. 15 to Depending 20. on what happens, you know, yeah, if he keeps them up. Okay, and add 20 million onto it, and that's your budget for a centre half. Mm. Well, how how many then, games has Michael Keane missed this season? Yeah, not many. We know he can't mm-hmm. be many. And he'll have been a lot busier than. But I think that's, that's the level Liverpool need to be looking at. Don't be going trying to find a centre back on the cheap. Such a massive position in a football team. Go and find someone who can go and be a dominant force alongside Matip with Lovren there to come in if either of them are injured at a relatively high level. Right, 15 years ago, Gerard Houllier stated that Liverpool were, <coughs> Liverpool were 10 games from greatness. They, uh, they, they weren't, it turned out. However, there are 10 games remaining now in the Premier League season. Liverpool are played two games more but there I think it's, it's five points clear of Arsenal yeah. six points clear of Manchester United ten games to go what's your feeling? Yeah going to finish in the top four I think um, The it's going to be tight but yeah, I, you'd definitely rather be in Liverpool's position than than, than, than playing catch up especially with the, the fixture backlog that you know Arsenal and United are obviously going to have uh, I think especially with United still being in Europe is is massive. Um, Arsenal's problems well documented, and you know. But and also, I think rather than just looking over your shoulder, you're probably looking up at the moment and thinking there's no reason why Liverpool can't finish second because you know it'd be interesting to see just how long Harry Kane's out for because we saw earlier on in the season at Tottenham without Harry Kane, they haven't got anyone who comes close to to filling that void. I think they're going to really struggle to to maintain their momentum to the end of the season. Um, City are probably. The, the the main concern because you know I, I know obviously they they didn't beat Stoke last week but prior to that the, the few games I'd seen before then it looked like they you know they had they had made strides forward. Um, but Liverpool go there on yeah. Sunday and, and and go two points ahead of them if they can win there, albeit they'd have played a game more. Or, or a draw gets a, good, a tough yeah. away fixture out the way, yeah. doesn't yeah. it? And, and, and I think you definitely take it. I think a draw mm. on the back. That was why yesterday was so important because I think now you can go to. Go to Man City, and as long as you just come away with something, then it just maintains momentum going into the international break. Andy Gary Neville, friend of this pod, as we know, uh, he uh, he was speaking on his, his Sky Sports uh, on Sky Sports earlier today, and he was basically saying that Liverpool he would have down as the weakest of the top six. Presumably, he means top five challenges because Chelsea are, are going to run away with the league now. But he says the Liverpool schedule works in their favour. I had a quick look at it, and obviously the City and the Everton at home the next two games but after that they don't play anybody else in the top seven whereas I think Arsenal Arsenal, Arsenal have got four uh, games against the top seven and United have got five and United are the ones who will have presumably 
European. Yeah, yeah. yeah they are that as, as well as possibly FA Cup as well. Well, United, um, United could get distracted. Sorry, just yeah. you know, United could get distracted by the idea that we don't need to finish in the well, this is it, yeah. we win the Europa League, yeah, which would work in Liverpool's favour then, because then that's one team out the way. Then they've only got to finish above presumably Arsenal. Arsenal and Tottenham, yeah. Tottenham have only got two games against the top seven though, and they're both at home. I think it is. I think it is good that Arsenal have those because uh, Arsenal, I think, are flat track bullies, and I think they beat um, the teams at the bottom yeah. relatively easily. And um, I think it's important that they've got good sides for, for in Liverpool's uh, benefit that they've got better sides to come and play them. Um, Klopp even mentioned in the program yesterday. You mentioned about the the, the ten games from greatness. He almost echoed it in his uh, in his program notes. He said we've got uh, you know eleven games left now after after the Arsenal game and he, he felt that's not quite as catchy is it it's not but he <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it won't make him look as silly it's not really his job but he was uh, but he was he, what he was suggesting was he felt that they could uh, they could go on the sort of run they went on after losing to Burnley at the start of the of the season when they went 15 unbeaten of which 11 were on, in the Premier League and uh, he was saying with Arsenal tucked away uh, we then had 11 so if we went you know, unbeaten to the end of the season that was a 12 game stretch and he felt they had that in them the stretch that um, looks to me the most difficult for Liverpool is a three games in April that's what I, was, I was just looking at last night where they play Stoke West Brom and, and then away and Crystal Palace at home now those are those are three sides um, which I did in my talk about today looking at uh, the fact that Liverpool may way well need to win ugly again before the end of the season, and those are three games, yeah. which I suspect won't be for the purest away at West Brom, the Pulis, uh, yeah, <laughs> and away away at you know away at Stoke, Crystal Palace at Anfield could be a bit different, but you suspect that's going to be an Allardyce team. Uh, last time it's going to be Crystal Palace at Anfield was like nineteen seventy two or something. Yeah, <laughs> well they'll be scrapping for their life at that stage, and you, you always suspect that Allardyce will get them out. You just hope that they're not. Good. The points that they'll they'll need aren't going to be gathered anywhere. Else. I mean, the point Pross we're making is that I mean, I don't know about you, but I fully expect Liverpool to lose possibly one, maybe another two games this season. But with all of the all of these <laughs> teams, like a bit of a I know, yeah, <laughs> they could win the other eight, right? But the point is, is that because there's so many games between the teams at the top. They can't all win them. If you give me eight wins and two losses, exactly, I'll, yeah, I'll bite your hand off. Well, that would be enough. Is, Absolutely. The, the encouragement as well is that despite we said. What we saying last week, Liverpool were playing the worst out of the top six contenders. But then Manchester United dropped points with Bournemouth, where you know coupon buster. Manchester City Jeez, dropped points with, with Stoke. It it genuinely. There's nobody that I I would say is going to win nine of the last eleven no. in that other than Chelsea, perhaps. I, I can't see anyone else. As James said, City are the ones who should have the best chance of doing it. But if they can if they can be held at home by Stoke, you know. While the rest of the world is enjoying Barcelona against Paris Saint-Germain, I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if the City players had, had said, "Do you want to just we'll call it a nil-nil and we'll go and watch it as well." <laughs> yeah. Right, I think that should uh, do us for this podcast. Me and Neil are off to talk about Emre Chad. Yes. Cheerio. Goodbye. <laughs>